millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan. And here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Educationalist Francis Adlam is with us with tips for parents on how to help their children love reading and writing. Her book, Raise Your Child to Read and Write, aims to give caregivers strategies to engage preschoolers and primary school entrants to get a good start to a lifetime of reading. With degrees in education, psychology and counselling, Frances Adlam has been a teacher and a lecturer and also an advisor to the Ministry of Education. She's also written resource books for teachers. She said there are very simple things that parents and caregivers can do to help, including thinking about how to talk to your children and encouraging them to scribble, draw and paint. All the building blocks that lead to writing. Francis, good morning. Good morning, Catherine. So, as we said, you've helped teachers with resource books. Is this about helping parents become the classic first teacher? Absolutely. Um, And this book evolved from my workshops with teachers because a lot of kindergarten teachers and new entrant teachers thought it would be incredibly helpful if parents had this knowledge of the building blocks for children to read and write. And what are they? If we begin at the beginning, long before uh, writing or reading as we know it is going to be possible, what are you trying to build? So um, one of the main points of the book is that often we worry about children's reading and writing around the time that they start school, which can be about four and a half years old, five years old. But actually the whole journey and the building blocks um, start at birth from when we're talking and singing to our baby and tuning them into the sounds of our language. And then there's many developmental stages and experiences children need to go through so that they have these lovely toolkits when they get to school so that reading and writing is more easeful. So um, we could break those into three key areas. One is talking, talking with your child and uh, is incredibly important because that is the foundation of learning language. And then for writing, um, all the scribbling and mark making and art sort of activities build those skills in many ways. And then for reading, um, there's two areas. We need to tune into our language so we can do that with lots of songs and nursery rhymes and stories. And then we need to understand that uh, text is in books and on screens and sort of the whole concept of how we use language in our culture. How do you do this well in the early years? What to do and what perhaps not to do in each of those areas? (laughs) Okay, well, the most important thing is that children are going to learn or be immersed and interested in things that feel good to them. And that's why when we read 
children's stories, often it's the snuggle with mum, dad or the grandparents that's as enjoyable as the story. So experiences need to have a sense of fun and be enjoyable for children. Um, and then they will want to do more of them. And this obviously will build their skills in this area. Uh, sometimes, if we talk about what not to do, <laughs> sometimes in this sort of uh, instant gratification, busy, busy world, we do uh, tend to think that we can just quickly teach these things. Um, and we take a lot of the fun out, you know, so we we focus on the tools like, oh, my child must know their alphabet and we make it quite sterile or we can do, which can possibly put children off. <laughs> Let there be a process of discovery and, yes, and, and yeah. go with what they're doing rather than trying to prescribe what they're doing. Absolutely. So we have to follow our own child and what they're interested in and um, play and fun are actually how young children learn. Do some people sometimes in their enthusiasm also try to bring a structure to what they're doing a little bit early? Um, possibly, and this is one of the things that uh, some of the feedback from the kindergarten teachers and the new entrant teachers was, was happening, that um, if we give this structure too early for some children, it can be disheartening for some children and it's not necessarily... Uh, motivating for them. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the um, I mean, for example, let's break them down again. When you are, um, you, you talk about the scribble journey, right? So yeah. when a child is picking up, I don't know, some kind of implement early on, mm. um, is the focus just on them making the association between that scribbling and meaning rather than you feeling like you need to start teaching them the alphabet or showing them how to do their alphabet? Mm, absolutely. So before a child can start to write letters, there are about, because it uh, is different with different models, but there are about eight stages of scribbling a child needs to go through before they can actually start to write their letters. Now, the first stages are all about sensory pleasure, that the child is enjoying playing with sticks in the sand or playing with uh, finger painting or playing with the clay. These are all building up the idea of mark making and the child is immersed in them because they're so pleasurable. So if we come in with our adult perspective too early, that, oh, we need to teach them the, how to write a letter, we haven't built up those building blocks and it is not meaningful or purposeful for a child and that's when often they don't get all those hours and hours that they need to just build their fine motor skills and to uh, do mark making. So mark making originally is just, it's a way to express ourselves, yeah? All writing is a way to express ourselves. So mark making can start even a toddler in a in a high chair when they are squishing and squeezing their food about the, the, um, the little table thing on the high chair, which is possibly, you know, a little bit annoying for um, if we've got to clean up all the mess. But actually, that's the first experience or one of the first experiences of mark making where they're enjoying their sensory pleasure with their hands and they're expressing themselves. Is it OK to do what I just said and even preschool for you to help them learn how to draw their letters? Absolutely. 
I think the uh, key is to have an understanding of roughly what stage your child is at. So, and, and in the book, I set out the stages quite clearly. So, for example, um, children will just make marks quite randomly. I mean, first of all, a child has to make the connection that this crayon, when I bang it on the paper, oh, look, it makes a mark, and that has to be, you know, exciting and interesting. And then from there, they will practice, and they start to uh, make marks which are lines and which are curved lines. And then from there, they slowly get ready to write their letters. So if we let children go through these developmental stages and then we help them shape their letters, that's absolutely, you know, wonderful. But what often happens is... Sometimes we try and get children to write letters when they haven't been through all those stages. So there's this big gap between what we're trying to get them to do and what actually they're developmentally ready to do. And that becomes a stress and that's not what we want to happen. As Absolutely. You, say, you want it to be fun. All right. Um, what about in the older child who is learning to write, including at school? What can you do at home to support that? Because one of your points is with their early writing, they'll mimic the stuff they've seen at home. They'll mimic yes. your writing, what yes. they've seen about the place. Yeah. And as they're beginning to more formally learn, what can you do to encourage that? Okay, well, there's, there's two things here, really. Um, first of all, children, well, all of us, when we're learning, we want to see the purpose of why we're doing something. So we need to immerse children in meaningful activities around writing, which is quite tricky in this sort of technological age. So we possibly need to be more conscious of doing this. So when we allow children to, um, or give children opportunities to write postcards to grandma and granddad or write letters or notes or birthday cards this is all modeling sort of good useful experiences about why we write without any purpose just focusing say on handwriting or letters is is very meaningless for children if we want children to uh their handwriting needs to have more practice, then sometimes at home, after they've had a long day at school, uh, a parent might possibly just do lots of doodling and scribbling. They actually need to build their fine motor skills and not necessarily be taught at home how to write the letters. They can be taught that at school. But the hours of using pencils, pens, and building those fine motor skills and having control over that is very useful. The link between reading with your child to or with your child and their learning to write, they're not separate activities? No, they're not. <laughs> and so how does, how does your reading assist with their learning to write and what can you do to, again, support that process? Okay, so all yeah, reading and writing overlap in many ways. Um, I work with children that struggle at school. Many of them might have dyslexia or dysgraphia or something like that. And I can tell a child who has had stories read to them a lot because when they're writing, they understand innately the, the rhythm of how a story works, you know, the, the wonderful beginning and, and then all of us, and they use the language of stories or whatever they've been read. So... All that rhythm, the vocabulary, 
that a child hears when they are being read stories, it all gets transferred to their writing. Um, so they sort of weave very much like that, if that makes sense. <laughs> you mentioned um, children who, and, and this I'm sure is on parents' minds, um, because children learn to read and write uh, differently from each other, they go through different stages and they don't necessarily go through constant linear progress. It's one yes. of the debates we have around um, assessment at, at school in the early years. Yeah. So what are you looking for for parents beginning to worry about their child's development in these areas? Um, I think if a child's... Sorry, if a parent's beginning to worry then the most useful thing for them to think about is uh, to be very specific. What, what are they worrying about? Um, are they worrying because um, I often get parents saying to me, oh, my, my child's not learning at the same way that their brother or sister did. Um, and so this worries them. And so, but it's not necessarily that the child is not moving forward. They're just moving forward in a, in a different way. So we need to be quite specific because there are so many layers to reading and writing. But some key markers, which we often forget, are that for a child to learn to, to read and spell with ease, they need to hear the sounds in our language, in our spoken language. So a child that's had lots of, let's say, ear infections or um, problems in this way will have had times, weeks, months, where they haven't been able to hear the sound of language. Now that impacts their, their journey of learning easily in this area. Um, so a lot of the things that parents worry about can... Often, um, so if they're medical and physical like that, they will need to go, obviously, to a specialist. But if it's just that the child's not particularly interested and so not doing a lot of writing or not really interested when you read a story, we just need to look at the individual child and think creatively, oh, how can I turn this around and engage them in this activity? You also make the point that adults often look at the end product whereas you should be looking at, at progress in the process. Can, can you explain that a little bit more? Like, you, you want to know, can you write a letter and can you write a sentence? But actually <laughs> you should be looking at progress towards that end, right? Key, um, key stages of progress towards mm. that end, including, as you say, just an interest in, 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 the whole, in, in, the whole, in doing it, in the whole activity. Yeah. So I think that sometimes uh, there's thinking in certain areas of society that writing sort of magically happens when a child's just about to start school. And so I guess the point of the book is to say that your child needs to be immersed in all these experiences and all of them really are traditional experiences, you know, painting and uh, mark making and scribbling. And then at the end of all those experiences, a child will evolve into the uh, part of the journey where they, where they learn to write their letters. So um, what I'm trying to get across is an understanding for parents to see that because often parents will worry and think they're not writing letters. Oh, no. And... Uh, rather than 
thinking, ah, okay, well, actually, they haven't had a lot of scribbling or any of this experience, so maybe we need to pump that up before they're going to be ready to write letters. How you receive what they try to communicate to you, whether it's mark-making or oral language or painting or drawing, this is important, right, because... As with every human, they are trying to express how they feel and they're trying to do it a new way. Mm, Absolutely. So is the principle to encourage and welcome pretty much anything they're offering offering you so that it feels good for them? Yeah, absolutely. That is what we're trying to do. Um, Because uh, sometimes we forget this. We get all technical about alphabet and letters but the purpose of writing is to communicate and to express ourselves so when a child does scribble writing which is often that they're modeling what they see adults do so it looks a bit scribbly but you can see that they're pretend writing you know they are trying to express themselves this is they're putting their little hearts on the paper and so we do need to receive it in in that way and honor it in that way what are some of the most common myths about learning uh, either learning to read or learning to write and as we said they're sort of they're intertwined but what are mm. what are some of the most common myths um, so a very common myth uh, is that boys don't like reading and writing, um, which is nonsense. There's a lot of science in this area. Um, so uh, possibly we just often need to be more creative about how we offer reading and writing experiences to different um, children. Um, Just find that, a book they love, and you know, yeah. are, are you fine with some of the wonderful graphic or comic illustrated books that are coming out that are full of fart jokes and just, it's just <laughs> whatever whatever someone wants to read? Absolutely. What what we're aiming for is that a child enjoys reading and writing because if they enjoy it, they're going to do it more, and if they do it more, they will get better at it. It's that simple. So, um, and also. We might want to be more creative with with all our movers and groovers, whether they are girls or boys. Possibly we want to take the reading and writing outside. Possibly we want to do mark making with sticks in the sand pit. Possibly we want to go on word hunts uh, out in the garden. You know, we need to be a little bit creative sometimes with how we... uh, engage young children in this area. Some of the other myths, what's the story with how you hold a pencil these days? It used to be a subject of great stress and controversy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the whole idea of having a, what we might call, good pencil grip is that it is uh, more easeful for the hand so the hand won't get so tired as it starts writing more and more and more. Um, So there are different stages. There's about five stages, depending what model you follow. And the book does have uh, the stages in for um, the the pencil grip. Again, those stages uh, evolve through many hours and days and years of holding different pencils, pens, paintbrushes. So if a child has not had a lot of experience in this area and not done a lot of mark making, they're not going to, when they hit five, suddenly be able to have a wonderful pencil grip because, you know, they just haven't had the the years of experience in holding these tools. So um, 
So that's the, I guess, the thinking behind it, yeah. One emailer has asked about whether music can and does have a role in helping the development of uh, reading and writing, certainly um, with um, things like nursery rhymes and, um, you know, beginning to understand the rhythm of language. But but music itself, your comment? Um, so music is hugely important for children to, um, as a, one of the building blocks for, for reading and writing, because what music does is it's tuning the ear to hear sounds and differentiate tones. And when we are talking, all the words coming out of our mouth all have different sounds in, and that's essentially how we learn language. So music is very important. And for children, singing age-appropriate songs and listening to music and dancing and all those activities uh, play uh, a key part in building those uh, foundational skills. What is the fundamental message? And I, I mean, I think you kind of alluded to it. It's it, it, it's just time and a positivity around all these experiences that are the building blocks. Yes, it's that reading and writing, learning to read and write is a journey. It doesn't just miraculously happen because your child reaches a certain age. And the journey starts at birth from you know, babbling and cooing to your baby and all the things that you do up to the uh, age when they start school. Each child goes to school with all these, hopefully, beautiful toolkits of language and stories and mark-making. Hello? Yes, listening, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so um, and so those the richer those toolkits are, the more easeful it will be for them to learn to read and write at school. I think you got a blast of my producer in your I ear. I think so too. She apologises. <laughs> Just finally, you did mention um, children um, with, with dyslexia or with other learning differences or difficulties. What, what would you say to parents from your, your vast experience in this area? What would you say to parents if that is the, the case? Uh, um, to, to encourage them, I guess, and you know, what we are learning about ways to help these students. So um, so I work a lot, with, obviously, with children who have uh, dyslexia or dysgraphia. And the main thing to remember is that children with learning differences can all learn to read and write. It just means that their journey will be a little bit different possibly, from other children that don't have these learning differences. Um, and it will mean that at certain times they will have to put more effort in. And as a parent, we need to be supportive and uh, appreciate this uh, because it's going to be more effortful as their brain's not wired in a way to make it nice and easy, I guess. Yeah. Thank you, Frances Adlam. Her book is Raise Your Child to Read and Write. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 